creating space for yourself is the most powerful tool that then will open up this undercurrent of emotions and connection with your body and transformation. And I believe transformation is only possible in spaciousness and connection with yourself. Um, and I believe we all can put that on our calendars, right? Time with ourselves. Welcome to the Rebel Souls podcast, where we flip the middle finger to the status quo. I'm your host, Shelly Paxton, lifelong rebel, liberator of souls, and author of Soulbatical, a corporate rebel's guide to finding your best life. Settle in as we dive deep with badass leaders who are rebelling for what matters most in life, business, and the world at large. I'm so happy you're here. Let's get this revolution started. Hello and welcome back, fellow Rebel Souls. I hope by now you're sinking into this Rebel Souls podcast, loving it, subscribing to it, hopefully reviewing it, and most importantly, getting juicy nuggets from it that are really helping you rebel for what matters most to you, what impact you want to have in the world, and rebelling for yourself who you are and what you want. And on that note, we've got an amazing conversation today on exactly that topic. My guest is Melody Miles and Melody's story is going to blow you away for a couple of reasons. It's a really incredible story in terms of the journey she's been on. And I'll give you a little bit about her background. And it's also going to sound a little familiar because the overlap and the synergy with Soulbatical is uncanny. And that's actually how the two of us met because we're on this journey and both of us are leading movements to help people reconnect with their souls and transform their lives. And that's how we found each other last year. I think it was even through Instagram. But here's a bit on Melody's background. It's, it's an amazing story. So she used to be an international expert at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. She literally managed millions of dollars and launched the global campaign to eradicate malaria. Incredible, right? She was a humanitarian, huge-hearted scientist on a mission to, you know, help to help heal so many people around the world and to help them find freedom from disease, from the pain in their lives. And yet she found herself asking the question, like, I'm doing all of this work as a humanitarian, fighting for the freedom and the healing of others, but am I really living free myself? It's such a powerful question, you guys. And we dig into this. And what was her wake-up call, you know, her version of my, my nightmare that I was having that just shook me up and went, you are not living. You're not taking good care of yourself. You not, are not living in alignment with your soul. Hell, you're not even connected with your soul and your own body. And Melody talks us through what that experience looked like for her that basically had her quitting her dream job or what she thought was her dream job and quickly discovered that it really wasn't and that she needed to go in search of her own freedom and what that became. And that is what she now calls soulcation, 
And she's on a mission to help people understand that they can live a life that they don't need a vacation from. I'm guessing this will resonate with some of you, right? How do we do that? How do we create a life we don't need a vacation from? And how do we give ourselves permission to choose ourselves and find that freedom inside of us and to make choices in alignment with that? And this is a really rich and soulful conversation. I love Melody, everything she's about, the mission she's on, the book she's writing, and the really, really powerful wisdom that she shares with us from her own journey and now her journey as an entrepreneur starting this business. So without further ado, let's dig into my conversation with Melody Miles. Before we begin, I want to share an offering from my soul to yours. If you've achieved traditional success only to realize that you're living someone else's dream, then this will start you on a profound journey toward becoming chief soul officer of your own life, just like I did. I'm gifting you a free chapter from my book, Soulbatical, A Corporate Rebel's Guide to Finding Your Best Life. It's called Liberating from the Shackles of Should. And if you're ready to then visit soulbatical.com to download it for free. That's S-O-U-L-B-B-A-T-I-C-A-L.com. Warning, side effects include intense joy and fulfillment. Hey, hey, welcome back, Rebel Souls. And we are about to dive into another juicy conversation with my dear friend, Melody Miles. Welcome, Melody. Hey, girl. So good to be here. Oh my God, so good to have you. Melody is a soul sister and you guys are going to be blown away by how similar our journeys are. Our starting points were different, but man, we landed in similar space. So we have been supporting the hell out of each other. So, oh my God, Melody. So let's start with the question. What are you rebelling for? That's a good question. And I am rebelling for freedom. Mm. For, for my freedom and believing that in me setting myself free, I will help heal the world and set, up, set others free. Whew. That is a powerful mission. I love that our work is mission-oriented and really we're leading movements, right? And I can see how our, the movements you and I are leading, they're related. Like these all converge at some point to create that freedom and that change in the world. So I know your story really well because you and I have dug into our respective stories many times. And I know that there was a long time in your life where you were working for healing and freedom for others. Mm -hmm. Your big work with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, traveling the world as a malaria expert, and yet you were realizing you yourself weren't free. Mm-hmm. So can you help us understand like your awakening around like, oh shit, like I'm doing this for everyone else and I've kind of created my own prison. What did that look like for you? And what was the wake up call? My heart is just soft hearing that because it, that is exactly my story that I was an ambassador and a global expert fighting for the freedom of others. And I wasn't free myself. Mm. And I always say that oftentimes we show up in the world wanting to help or fix or do 
the very thing we want for ourselves, but we don't know how to give it to ourselves. Oh, um, and one of my favorite lines is our pain is our purpose. Mm-hmm. And that's what you just described. Mm-hmm. And it was a reckoning to wake up in a life where I had checked a lot of boxes, had global influence in some ways was seen as a, maybe not a rebel, but this power force for good in the world. But yet I hadn't cultivated that goodness and spaciousness in my own soul. And so I actually didn't know that I was terrified to wake up and finally tell myself that truth that something is wrong, right? You're like, holy shit moment. And I, my mind was on the bathroom floor at the fifth floor of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Like one Literally, like Bill Gates' office was like above me. I was on the tile, vomiting, hyperventilating, didn't even know what a panic attack really was, could not get myself back up, like off that floor to walk into the meeting and realize something was wrong. And it was my body stopped me in my tracks and my year off, so my sabbatical really was me enjoying myself, but going around the world and asking people the question, what does it mean to be free, Mm. right? watching their life and studying other people and experimenting because I'm a scientist and I didn't know the answers, right? I was trying to do all the things and I landed on the bathroom floor. And so there was this moment of, okay, I'm just going to see what's possible by trying out different ways of living. And hopefully if I'm lucky at the end of this, there would be freedom, but I wasn't sure. And I'm so grateful to say at the other end of this journey that I do feel free to express my voice, free to play, free to create, free to choose myself, but it it didn't feel guaranteed. So for anyone I, like in the moment of early reckoning, um, there is a little bit of leaping and trusting the net will appear. Yeah. Yeah. I know that. I mean, your story gives me goosebumps every time because I, I feel myself and I see myself, you know, on, I was on that path too, and I was ignoring all the signs. So I'm curious if I take you back to the weeks, months, and years before you find yourself having a panic attack on the bathroom floor, what were you pretending not to know? What were the signs that you were ignoring? Because I suspect some people listening to this right now are in the places, you know, when I was having the nightmare and you were having the panic attack. And yet we tell ourselves we can push ahead and we can warrior through and we're not listening. Mm -hmm. So what was it for you? Certainly the physical cues, right? Our bodies keep score. But um, when I look back on those, those years of running. I mean, I saw busyness as a status symbol. I was trying to earn my worth in the world by achievement, you know, producing instead of doing. I felt safe in relationships by meeting other people's needs. And right, I'm a humanitarian and a helper. So I felt safe when I was meeting other people's needs. And that's an endless cycle, right? Because, you know, (laughs) there will always be more needs to meet in order to feel safe and secure. And I needed that belonging. I always say that humans have two needs belonging and self-expression. And so many of us fight for belonging, right? We it can be different religions, different cultures, different family systems, but whatever we inherited, we will fight for that belonging at the expense of our self-expression. So I really silenced my own thoughts, my own choices, my own voice, even that I was deserving and worthy to be happy. I remember my counselor asked me, you know, right at the beginning of this journey, like, well, let's just at least like, I don't know, come up with some fun things you can do in your life, right? Like you you have anxiety and panic and all these bad things and you're grieving. Like, what are some fun things you can do? And I was just like, I was like, I don't know. I don't know, like sleep it. Like I just did it. I hadn't cultivated 
practices of what brought me joy, what made me happy. I didn't know what to do when I felt even, you know, momentarily feelings of, of sadness because I couldn't really access my joy either. And I, I now study feelings and I'm fascinated by them that we have some core emotions and neurologically emotions only last 90 seconds in our body. And everything else is story. Everything else is just the narrative that we put around that feeling or emotion. And so I just had so many narratives that were keeping me trapped in negative emotion. Ooh, there's so much truth in that. And for all of us, right? I love the Brene Brown line. What's the story? You know, what's the story I'm telling myself, right? I live with that. So it's like, wait a second. This is just, you know, we assign positive, negative, good, bad to otherwise neutral experiences, right? So ask yourself that question. What's the story I'm telling myself? And what is the truth? And what am I pretending not to know? Those are really powerful Mm. questions to start to mine what's really going on underneath the surface. And Melody, you're so right because your body shook you up. My body shook me up. Like our body knows. Our bodies do keep score. And so we've got to really tune in and pay attention And that's what you've now spent so much time doing. So you called your your journey a soulcation. Soulcation and soulbatical have a lot of beautiful overlap. And yeah, I love your language and what you've created around it. And so before we dig into that, I'm really curious, as you were going around the world on your, your soulcation journey... Talk about a couple of the places it took you and some of the lessons you learned asking that question of what does it look like to live free? Because that is a powerful fucking question. Mm-hmm. So much. Well, the first lesson, which it which really connects to tapping into your body, is I walked 500 kilometers solo um, across southern Spain. It's a spiritual pilgrimage called the Camino de Santiago. Yeah. So, and you, you know, I arrived in, in Portugal and the goal was to make it to Spain, um, Santiago, Spain, and there's just these spray painted yellow arrows. So I arrived, you know, I'm a millennial. I'm like giving my GPS map and my app. And there were, there were just these yellow. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm going to make it across a whole country by just following these yellow arrows. How and, very analog. <laughs> I know, I know. But it is a real, it was, so it taught me two things. One, when I was processing what it meant to be free to be walking and in my body. And I always said that the longest journey is the 18 inches from my head to my heart. And so actually building in a practice, whether you're taking a sabbatical or a location, or you just kind of want to go on a journey of self-discovery, whether that's a little bit of dance or walking or something that like allows you a spacious time to connect with your body gave me a lot of insight and, and wisdom. And then you can sometimes just follow the next yellow arrow that you don't need it all mapped out. You don't need it planned. That freedom by definition is actually being okay with living in the unknown and the uncertainty, right? It means surrendering the plan and the scenario plans and the checklist. And that freedom actually means You know, I just loved how many people that I met along the way who didn't know answers to their next steps in life and were so content about that. Mm. And I was like, I would, you know, I just remember being in some bars, leaning in deeply and realizing that so many of the narratives I inherited about working in corporate America and what success is require you to always be thinking about the next step ahead. 
right or 10 steps ahead. And so you miss the joy of just looking for the next yellow arrow. You miss the joy of just being present in the moment if you're thinking 10 arrows ahead. It's so, it's such a beautiful metaphor for life because we don't have control over any of those things anyway. We convince ourselves that we can, you know, that we got, there's nothing wrong with planning, but then it's like, just take the next right step and the next right step after that. Because when you are in action and in motion, especially against an intention, that's when the universe starts to serve up her magic and opens doors and possibilities you didn't even know were going to be there. And I'm guessing that's what happened for you as well. So as you were taking the next right step, like what were some of the synchronicities that were happening for you as you went from yellow arrow to yellow arrow in your life? Such a good question. I do want to say really quickly about freedom. One of the other things that set me free is dismantling the narrative of comparative suffering. And I always like to say this because I'm a humanitarian and expert and Um, have spent a lot of time in developing countries where people have the perception of pain, but they also have a lot of community and a lot of way of processing that pain that actually gives them life. And so whenever we can move towards our pain and actually not compare our pain with anyone else, when we Mm -hmm. give ourselves a permission slip not to compare our pain and to honor it and feel it and move through it, like that's how we heal. And so this narrative of comparative suffering really stops us from honoring the very truth that we need to to name and recognize to move forward. That's really powerful. Thank you for saying that because it's so true. I mean, we spend so much of our lives through busyness and numbing and so many other things just trying to outrun those feelings, outrun that pain. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you're right. That's the only way we can move through it and break through it is to experience it. I love it. And yeah, to your question of what was happening as I was traveling the world, I, you know, I learned how to sail. I joined these communities of digital nomads, like showing up to strangers that I'm going to live with for 30 days. I did an eight day silent retreat. I explored meditation And it really was from the scientific hat of like, I don't know if this is going to work. All I know is that like my life is not working. And so I just approached everything as an experiment. Like possibly there's something here for me. It doesn't have to be forever. And I did it with joy and fun. And this is what I really believe that like happiness is the way, not the result, right? It's not something at the finish line. And so if you can go on a sabbatical or a location and actually do it in a spacious way where you're doing things, you, you're, you're transforming through trusting that ease, trusting that good things are actually, that you can lean more into that. And so I feel like it's, it was so inviting because in some ways I was just choosing myself for the first time, right? And it's so ironic how hard that was for me to choose myself, mm. how much rewiring had to happen and to really believe that I could pick what was easy. I could pick what I wanted. I could pick what bring, bring joy. I could, I could pick the things that like, we're light and not difficult and that I could build a life around them. And that, that just took so much like reprogramming, but is the gift of spaciousness. And I think the gift that you're offering to the world is to say, you know, this isn't about like muscling through some hard thing. This is about sinking in to what feels the most true and aligned. And, and that way of ease is really the way of transformation. Mm, Amen, 100%. And you said, I mean, it's so powerful, the simple words, I'm choosing myself, Mm -hmm. right? And you're choosing to create your own path. 
right? And to realize, oh, wow, this can be joyful. This can be easeful. (laughs) This can be freeing and liberating. I can be chief soul officer of my own life. Like just starting to peel away all of those layers. And you're right, it's rewiring that narrative of all the shoulds. I know shoulds dominated my life. I wrote about it. You had a lot of shoulds in your life too, right? So many shoulds. And I actually say the problem I want to help women and men solve in this world is self-abandonment. And it really is. And the solution and the medicine is choose yourself, right? All the subtle ways we say yes when we mean no, when we agree to something or take on the commitment when we don't want to, when we do things again to feel like we belong, but we're doing those things at the expense of our own self-expression. And self-abandonment is a can be an interesting term and trigger a lot of people, but at the core of it is just a permission slip to choose yourself and to, yeah, let go of all those shoulds. Oh, I love it. That's such a cool way of expressing it. I, I love how similar and yet different our language is around these concepts. It's really cool. I'm learning from you, you're learning from me, and we're putting these these ideas and these like these creative handles out in the world to help people give permission to themselves. Mm-hmm. And that to me feels like it's like medicine, you know? It's sort of linguistic medicine in a way. Yes, it's medicine. And I think we're we're our own best medicine, right? What we're both doing is helping people create space in their life so they can turn inward and trust that they can actually be their guide on this healing journey. That the answers are like inside of you, that you know what permission slips you need. And sometimes it's just all of those external voices are so loud that you can't even listen to your own, the voice inside of you and those needs and those desires and those wants. And so choosing your, you know, getting rid of the shoulds, choosing yourself, there's this act of just listening to what you want and need and then giving it, but it really does require some time. And that's why I think we both found that these breaks in our life were really helpful in giving us that time to trust our inner voice and trust our bodies again. Yeah, So, so talk to us about... You're, you take this year, you travel to some fabulous places, you know, this pilgrimage, but I know you went, you went all over the place to many countries. And at what point did you start to understand like, oh, this is a thing. I'm on a journey that's bigger than take, simply taking a year off in my life. I think this might be a movement. This is something I want to help other people with. How did that start to crystallize for you? Again, I think because it just felt so good to be mm. in community and, and watching and interviewing people who truly lived a life they don't need a vacation from, right? They brought their laptops to the beach in Thailand and to Indonesia and to Peru and were doing their jobs and working remotely and kind of exploring all these places they wanted to explore. And it was just like, oh, like people are like, this is a lifestyle. Like, wait a second. Can I do that? (laughs) Like, that's cool. Like how, like, how did you pull that off? Right. Where my mentality was, yeah, you work hard and then you play hard and you compartmentalize these things in your life. And it, it was through watching other people and living out of a suitcase for a year and kind of floating around to see how they live that I was like, this can be what would it take to have a life you don't need a vacation from? Like, what would it take for, like, I literally started writing down the things that were making me happy and the things I loved about my sabbatical. And I was like, well, how can I just, you know, how could I have that long walk in the woods in the middle of the day? 
How can I have two hours to myself each morning? How can I take a bubble bath each night? You know, it actually was an extraordinary thing. Like both of our trips in some ways were extraordinary to get to do this, which, and we can actually talk about, I really do believe it's more possible for more people, but it was the ordinary thing, like cooking a leisurely meal and, you know, being able to shut down my laptop and not worry and having a meaningful conversation with friends and going to the spa, like those things you can bring into your everyday life. And it really was just about having mental and emotional margin to kind of alchemize, alchemize the things that always come up in life without having to numb them, deny them, be like, oh my gosh, well, I have two weeks of busy work. So I'll like deal with this then. So I thought I needed an extraordinary life. And I discovered that the most joy and pleasure came in the very ordinary things in, during my sabbatical. And that's when I decided I was going to experiment with designing a life I truly didn't need a vacation from. I love it because, you know, the question that I always get and I suspect that you get as well is, so what if you can't take a year off? Mm-hmm. And what's so beautiful is you've created like this blueprint that says, actually, it is in our everyday. Yes, you went on a journey that took you around the world to have these ideas crystallized. Yes, I went on a journey that took me to many places as well to suddenly realize that it was inside me. You know, the power of place can feed your soul, but it can't fix it, is what I always say, right? And I think you had much the same realization. So what do you say to, you know, everybody listening who's like, well, how do I do this in my daily life? What does it look like to live soulcation? It means creating, even if it's five minutes or 30 minutes each day for yourself. So Creating space for yourself is the most powerful tool that then will open up this undercurrent of emotions and connection with your body and transformation. And I believe transformation is only possible in spaciousness and connection with yourself. Um, And I believe we all can put that on our calendars, right? Time with ourselves. And often I'll have clients like make a happy, like I'll say, write a list of what you do on vacation, right? Like, okay, whatever place it is, that's fine. But once you're at that place, what do you do? Is it eating? Is it nature? Is it hiking? And then we start thinking about how they can actually do those things in their everyday life. And so you take this vacation happiness list and you start to say, well, okay, you have a half an hour for yourself every day or an hour every morning for yourself. Like if, if someone is not spending time with themselves every day, like that's the first like full stop before any doctor's appointments, before any other meetings, like that is my biggest recommendation because there's so much power in, in connecting with yourself. There is. It's where it all starts, right? You said earlier, you know, we have to get back in touch with that little voice, with that signal inside of us. I say it's finding your soul signal. And guess mm-hmm. what, guys? We have to sit still and get quiet in order to even hear that and start listening deeply. It will tell us everything we need to know. You know, most of the time we're simply not listening. So it does, it starts with that. And then you're right. If we can't create a half an hour for ourselves in our days, we need to create three hours. Yeah. Right? And yeah, there's more stuff. I have created kind of 12 steps of location and some of them involve like writing vows to yourselves and promises of how you're going to honor yourself and, you know, helping women, what balls are you going to drop or, you know, what boundaries are you going to set? There are different tools that we bring in, whether that's, you know, just meditation or self-commitment, but the at minimum, the greatest tool for transformation is just that time with yourself. 
Yeah. Can you take us through a couple more of the 12 steps or maybe just talk to us, talk to us about maybe some of your favorites and where you've seen, I guess, the steps that have had maybe some of the biggest impact on your clients? Mm, Yeah. Well, the second step is saying the scary truth out loud. And it really is this speaking to yourself like that you need to change, like that something is wrong. And this is what I waited too long to do. So my story is one of, I was hiding, like I struggled with rage and I struggled with depression. And so here I'm this like humanitarian good girl that like deep down, right? Like behind closed Mm -hmm. doors is full of rage. And that was the, that was the thing I didn't want to face, right? It was like, I'll, I'll work on all these other things in my life, but I won't face the thing that like, I'm so scared to face. And of course we do that because like, we all have these dungeons in our hearts and souls where we just push those things that scare us to death. And if, and so telling myself the truth about what was really going on and kind of shedding just a little bit of light internally. And that was before I said anything out loud to anyone. But I mean, I remember going to meetings at the Gates Foundation and then like going across Seattle and like taking off all my jewelry and showing up in these like groups for women that struggle with rage and violence, you know, and just compartmentalize my life. And so for anyone who's scared that they're not enough or not worthy or won't belong if they really like honor the truth of what's going on. I would just want to hold space that oftentimes there is a reckoning of, of shame, right? This is all about shame, yeah. resilience and healing shame. So I, I just always shared that as part of my, my journey that there was a lot of shame I had to process. And so with my clients, that can be something that we like, that's why the second step is this honoring the truth. Um, But then some of the other steps are funner, right? Like writing your happy list, like having a ceremony and writing vows to yourself, like just ways to commute. And that's why solcation I find is such a good vocabulary Mm. because some people just like want a moment to pause and step back from their life and to be able to tell their partner and tell their friends to be like, Hey, for the next month, I'm just taking a soulcation, right? I'm going to say no. And it's invite. It's not like, oh, I'm going to go to intensive therapy and something's like, I'm having a midlife crisis, right? It's just a vocabulary that you can use as a tool to say like, I'm going to start putting myself first. Ah, and make those make those decisions. I just I love the word permission keeps coming into my mind because you've said it. I say it quite a lot too. But it's like giving ourselves permission. I mean, that is really the first step. It's permission to slow down. It's permission to sit still. It's permission to listen deeply. Permission to put ourselves first. To create that spaciousness for us. And, and I think it, there are so many people who feel guilty about it. I say self first isn't selfish, right? Because how do we, I mean, you and I both have this, these big messages and want to, um, you know, our leading movements and imagine if we were showing up and our light was dimmed. Imagine if we weren't feeling in refueling our own energy so we can be sharing it out in the world. I mean, that would be tragic. And it is tragic for everyone who's not fueling their soul because you're not putting the energy out into the world that you can be. And that's a miss. I have a number of clients write letters to their past self or even letters to their body, just apologizing for all the times that they didn't choose joy or they didn't choose what was best for themselves or they ignored their needs, right? Like, this is so fascinating to do this in the context of your body. Like how many times does your body want rest or nutrition or 
something that we just we're we deny it right away. Like we we so quickly go in our minds, but whether it's that or just like dear past, I'm so sorry that I let you work so hard and not take care of yourself. I'm so sorry for all the like long nights that you spent in front of your computer instead of in relationship with people you love. Like I'm so sorry and and really just kind of process and honor that oftentimes we we do these things to, to feel safe, right? They serve some purpose in our life of safety yeah. and security. But then we reach a moment where if we're going to take our next step on this life journey, we actually have to let them go. And so just acknowledging those past behaviors and past selves and really honoring them and saying, okay, you kept me safe for a while, but now I'm actually choosing something different. Mm, it's so powerful. I've written letters like that before, and it brings up a lot of emotion a lot of emotion because it's like, man, I, I know for sure I have not treated my body well for, <laughs> for probably the majority of my adult life. And it was only through this journey that I, start, I started to reconnect first with my soul and then with my body. And it's been a healing journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that you coach people through that. And one other thing that came up while you were talking about the second step, the say the scary truth, mm-hmm. is that what it was? Say the mm-hmm. scary truth. There's something so powerful in that. And, and what kept coming up for me, I wanted to put a finer point on this idea for anybody who's listening right now, a question I love to ask, we do this in my coaching community all the time is, or it's maybe a sentence stem, not even a question. What I don't want you to know about me is, and that often will help, will force you to come face to face with that scary truth. Because so that question, right? That question changed my life on sabbatical. The first thing I did was a writing retreat. In the introductions, they asked us to write for five minutes about what they wanted us to know about each of us, I wrote. And then they asked us to write for five minutes about what they didn't want to like people to know about us. And I thought it wasn't going to be read out loud. Yeah. <laughs> so I wrote like everything. And then they asked us to stand up in front of the whole group and read it out loud. And it changed my life. Yeah. Can I ask what you said at that time? What was the big, what was the scary truth for you? That this is right after my divorce that I, yeah, that I had just gotten divorced and that I had been violent to my husband mm. and thus not worthy of love, right? That was the story I was telling myself. Whew, that's, that's big. And was that, that was the beginning of your healing journey? Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, these things, guys, we've got to face them because otherwise they tear us apart. They eat us from the inside out. So getting even the step, the first step doesn't have to be saying this in front of a group of people. I, I like Melody have had that experience. We do this often in our coaching community where we have to introduce ourselves. What I don't want you to know about me is like that is that is the first introduction to people, you know, and sometimes people you don't know. And what's really beautiful about it is one it connects you with your truth and two, it's vulnerable And some of the deepest human connection comes from being vulnerable. When you say that, Melody, I see myself in you, right? I connect with, it's like, oh yeah, I remember our first conversation and it connected with divorce. Our divorces looked different, but yeah, there's a lot of stories that were created in going through divorce and believing for many reasons that I was unlovable. And so 
yeah, we need to keep sharing those. But I think the first step is say it to yourself. Be honest with yourself. And if you aren't even in touch with what you don't want people to know about you, let that be the first step. Let that be the first yellow arrow. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm. It'll change your life. And, and the safety of knowing you don't have to put it in a book or put it out in the world. It's really just about your relationship with yourself. And yeah, the more I write down my feelings every morning because the more that I know how I feel, right? The more that I'm aware of my truth, the more I can move through life and in integrity and honesty and alignment. If there's, if there's grief, if there's sadness like that, even if there's anger or rage, that usually prompts questions um, that serve me. And so, yes, it's saying that truth once, but then it's just over and over again, committing to a practice of not being scared of any emotion and naming it and, and, and saying it to yourself. Yeah. And I find that is especially powerful with fear because fear, fear is another one. It just can stop us in our tracks. It can stop us from finding that joy and that happiness and that ease and all the stuff that we're yearning for. So turn fear into fuel, right? Name it, own it, and dance with it. Mm-hmm. And it can be a great guide. Like people are so afraid of fear, but it also can tell you when a boundary has been crossed, mm. right? It can tell you when you know, you're potentially pursuing something that isn't in alignment. Like fear, if you think fear has to be processed internally, it's not like, no, no, no. Like anytime you feel fear, you, you pull back, but you can have a healthy relationship with fear. It can actually be a guide. And then there is a moment where it's, you allow it to, I always think of myself as being in a boardroom because I worked in corporate America and I always think of fear as like, I'm, I'm at the head of the table, right? I'm at the front, I'm in charge, I'm the CEO, Fear can have a seat at the table. Like it might be there for a lot of my life. It can sit at the table, but like I can tell it what to do. I can speak back to it. Like I'm the, I'm the manager of fear. And that's been a really good, helpful way for me to think about how fear can exist in my life, but not be in charge. I love that. I love that. I always think about it in terms of a road trip too. I like the boardroom analogy and a road trip. Like, okay, it's fine. Fears, fears in the car, fears in the minivan. We're going, we're going on the ride, but fear is not at the wheel not at the wheel. So yeah, those visualizations are so powerful. Use those because we will never be fearless. And if we are fearless, we are not pushing ourselves and we are not growing. And so this is where growth comes from. So speaking of growth, so you girl are like just expanding this idea. So you are taking this, you've created a business around soulcation and you are writing a book. And it's so cool to witness from, when did you, you and I met, was it about a year ago? Like late, yes, 2019, before the pandemic. Yeah, definitely right, exactly. Pre-corona. Whatever that was. (laughs) Exactly. Our world is now going to be pre-corona and post-corona. So yeah, we met in 2019 and I just think about where you were in your journey then and so much of it was still so new and you were still kind of finding your footing and getting grounded and now you have created this into a real thing. You've got yourself a book agent. Your book is going to be, you know, auctioned in the fall. So talk to me more about like that experience and that process so far for you. 
Yes. Well, I'm writing a book called Soulcation, Design a Life You Don't Need a Vacation From. And it really emerged from my own memoir. So while I was on sabbatical, I wrote 50,000 words of a memoir, really just documenting and processing the, the moments of my journey. And I always say, I actually almost had to write that book to become the person that now can offer to the world more of a guided formula and process um, that I went through for healing that has served my life that I now want to to serve others. And there was a bit of a reckoning because I came back and everyone did. It was like, oh, I would love to quit my job. I would love to quit my life, but I can't. And I actually believe, I mean, I, I lived out of suitcase. I live simply. I believe that, you know, so many Americans buy houses and right. Like I remember talking to my financial planner, like he was, why do we not invest in ourselves? Why do we not have a sabbatical savings account? Like why is our own investment in ourselves so undervalued? when investment in some of these other physical things is. So I obviously wholeheartedly believe in, in people investing in themselves. But what I'm doing now is is recording that process in a in a book and offering offering support and content to people who yeah can't blow up their life but deeply want to go on a transformative journey to connect with themselves, to come back home to themselves. Um, and I've really spent the last year just thinking about what that might be like, how one might do that. And so these 12 steps have really been birthed out of a lot of reflection. And it's really my gift to the world. I always thought that my work had to be one thing and, you know, like play and creation and writing another. And to be on this journey of merging that, that this deeply spiritual, wholehearted, soulful experience is now turning into the gift I want to give to the world. Mm. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. I can't wait till the world gets to meet to the rest of that gift. So it's it's really going to take people in much more depth through those 12 steps mm-hmm. through the Soulcation blueprint. So we can really use it almost as like, you know, a handy dandy guide for how do I build this life for myself? Sounds like it has some of your memoir and a very practical aspect. So it sounds a lot like Soulbatical, right? In the sense that we tell our story and then we help the reader to really mine their own story and to start shifting Mm. their own journey. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Um, And the courage to take their own journey, knowing that, I mean, it is, it is so brave and so, so bold. And for people listening to this, who are stepping away from that belonging, stepping away from that status quo, from potentially, you know, you're like leaving the harbor, right? And going out to sea and you don't actually know where the next island or the next harbor is going to be. It's such a brave step. And I wasn't celebrated or encouraged in that. And it felt like impossible to begin again, right? Like both of us had big careers and we're known as experts and things and in certain areas. And it can be so easy once you're good at something to keep doing it because you, you're in this like cycle of, of you get external validation. And so to have the courage and internal validation to, to potentially begin again or explore something different is so brave. But the, the one thing that has truly changed my life in the best way possible. And so now I believe in it so much that I want to help other people in that process of unraveling and deconstructing and letting go in order to find what's really true and build a life with more alignment. Yeah. And what I think is so beautiful, what I know of your work and another and another place where it aligns with my work is there are as many flavors of soulcation and soulbatical as there are humans on this planet. 
And that's what's so cool. So maybe you might not be ready to blow up your life to make that huge leap forward. But what one thing can you do for yourself to choose yourself and to start creating this spaciousness and then take it one step at a time? I think it's really beautiful that you are giving practical advice on what that, what that looks like because we can create it. So I'm curious. So how have you applied this to your life? So it's almost like you were living it. You were kind of reverse engineering. Okay, like what my, my learnings, my lessons, how I'm living, how you were creating freedom. So what does your life look like these days? How um, do you design such a it? Great, such a great question. I work for myself. And I'm, Amen, um, sister. yes, yes, which is kind of the, has been the biggest transformation. So I do run this location company, which is a brand new company. You know, it's only been around like six months. And so I also do consult, but I get to say yes or no to what projects I take on. And I realized this, that like my corporate expertise, I was so nervous that there would be work and that there would be a potential to design a life where I lived it on my own terms with my own boss and I'm finding it's possible, which is so exciting. But yeah, I just came back from 10 days. I do a silent solo retreat every year. I just came back from that and my life, I probably work about six hours a day, but my morning routine is something that has changed my life. And Ooh, can um, you talk to us about your morning yes. routine? I have been new, but like over the last two years, I meditate and then I write down what, like, I think I mentioned this, what I'm feeling physically. So what mm -hmm. body cues, like in this moment, what, what is my body telling me? What are my emotions telling me? And I try to go back to the five core emotions, fear, sadness, joy, creative energy, and um, grief. So kind of naming, trying to get to the core of the emotion I'm feeling and then I do uh, morning pages. So I write down stream of consciousness and data has shown that we have the most access to our unconscious thoughts the first 45 minutes um, that we're awake. And there's also tremendous research that shows our unconscious thoughts drive 80 to 90% of all decisions we make in our life. So the fact that we, our whole life is built on unconscious thoughts and that the journey of tapping into those unconscious thoughts is is how you really change your life. So morning pages for me, which is stream of consciousness, allowing anything to come out, really just getting that like mental clutter out onto the page. And do you do really... the three pages? You do the Julia Cameron mm -hmm. Artist's mm -hmm. Way three pages. Mm -hmm. For anyone who doesn't know this, we'll put a link to the Artist's Way in the show notes. It is life changing. It's funny, I just sent the Artist's Way to a new client and I was like, oh man, this is the way, because I'm really helping him understand being versus doing. Mm -hmm. And it's already rocking his world. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah. And then I, you know, move my body and I have a number of different kind of mantras or affirmations that I'll do. But again, that before turning on my phone, before receiving input, it's so important to learn how to get input from within. Oh. And for, yeah, like almost for that news feed to be your own heart rather than the news feed to be your Instagram news feed or email news feed. And that's really where once we can notice our unconscious thought, once our unconscious thoughts become conscious, that's when the reprogramming starts to happen and the magic starts happening. Um, so that morning routine is certainly feels like gold and to design a life where you can have time for yourself, where you can want something and make it happen. Right. And I think a lot of us, there's some calendar gymnastics, right? Like there's some no's I have to say, like I don't make as much money as I did before. 
I have way more time, right? Like I learned that I could live simply with not many things and I'm in a affordable city and I travel every quarter and every month I take a mini vacation, which is like two days away with myself. And so that's what my life looks like these days. Like, is there a little bit of a sacrifice? Yes. Has it, has the value and return been like exponential? Yes. Um, In so many ways we couldn't have imagined, right? Because I feel exactly the same. It's like I view and I measure ROI so differently now, mm-hmm. right? And, and and anybody who listens to this podcast has heard me say that I, I think about it in terms of ripples of impact versus return mm-hmm. on investment. And it's really beautiful because ripples of impact, I can only be sending those ripples out to others to create that wave based on the energy that I'm releasing into the world. And I, that my energy is going to shift if I'm not feeling that joy and that fulfillment and doing those things for myself, right? So I love that you're making sure those are the foundational blocks on your calendar and in your life before anything else comes in. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Honestly, you guys, this is this is something that I've really, really learned and, and honed over the past couple of years. This idea of like, start with a blank calendar, right? Just a blank sheet of paper or a blank digital calendar, whatever it is. And the first thing to put on your calendar, look at a month, look at a quarter, is the time for you the things that matter most to you. So when am I going to take time off? I love that you said every month you take a couple days for yourself. It's a non-negotiable, right? Mm -hmm. Every, every year I'm, I'm taking out two months. I want flexibility. Whatever I do with those two months is up to me. I may write, I may travel, I may do some combination of those things, but that's one of the reasons why I'm creating the life I'm creating. And we can all do that. It's another way of looking at the from the inside out, right? Mm -hmm. Like what do we want to create? What shape do we want this to take? Because otherwise somebody else is going to shape it for you. And that's where, that's where we get caught in the cycle and miss of misery, right? I was looking, we can put a link in the show notes if you want. I have this planner here right beside me and it is, it has sections for how I'm going to care for my soul, like how I'm going to care for my body and then like work. And it is, it's a different way of planning to set priorities for the week. You have to first believe in your own worthiness, right? Because if this is just a calendar game, like things will, you'll always, you'll honor a commitment to your boss, but you won't honor a commitment to yourself, Right. right? So there is a little bit of, but once you believe in your own worthiness, gosh, then like you put that on your calendar and it's like the, the president of the company is holding you accountable and you're going to do it. And, and so when we can actually be as honoring to ourselves as we are to other people, I believe that's when we heal. And then, then we change the world because there's all these, there's sisterhood woundings, there's friendship woundings, there's all these ways that we reinforce bad behavior. We reinforce and celebrate people, you know, laying their own life down for someone else, which you know, are overgiving, overextending. And so I find that when I'm interacting with people who I can tell are not committed or honoring their time, I still have to hold my ground, right? Because that's the gift I give them by showing them, I'm actually going to cancel this meeting that I made with you because I feel really sick right now and I need to honor that feeling in my body. (laughs) This is us rewriting the script of success. This is us choosing a life filled with joy. 
Right? I mean, it is exactly as you said early on. And these are choices that we make. And I, I believe so deeply in what you said earlier that really like our stability and our energy comes from the inside out. So let's choose to take control of that, right? Don't let the news, the news feeds and the toxicity that's out in the world start to shape who you are and your thoughts. Let's rebel for ourselves and our connection with ourselves and getting really clear on on what we want in the world and what impact we want to have in the world. I think it's so powerful. And I just, I love your journey because, well, for so many reasons, I'm so... I relate to it because it's so similar to mine. And I love that you have such a fresh melody millennial spin on it as well, which is so cool. I love the, I gave Melody an endorsement for the book. I've read like a draft of a few chapters and stuff as she's been, she's been working on it. And, and it's so clear that Soulcation is like, you know, is, is the, the soulbatical for millennials. It really is. And by the way, anybody listening to this, like if you're like me and you're a Gen Xer, I'm still madly in love with everything that you're doing. I think I think what we are doing transcends ages and genders and races. I mean, this is about humanity and our own humanity first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is really powerful. Yeah. And you, yes, I mean, you, we all have these unravelings or crises. Sometimes we get to midlife, sometimes not. But the journey is the same. Like we can yeah. do this work anytime and it will probably have to do it multiple times, right? It's the cycle of death and rebirth. It never ends. But being, yeah, a millennial and being able to kind of speak to that audience, which is my key audience right now, has been has been a gift. And 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 so I hope that, you know, for the the people early in their life that are are either pursuing pursuing jobs and also considering how they can design their life. Um, before potentially they make these decisions that lock them into things that that aren't true, that they have the opportunity to do more exploration. Um, yeah, and for anybody who's my age, you know, take there's been so many juicy questions and tools and tips that have been offered through this conversation. Sit down with yourself and and journal and ask yourself some of those questions. Like this is it is perennial advice at at any age. It's it's really brilliant, and we're it's never too late to never too late to make that transformation and to be good to yourself. So Melody, how can people find you if they want to dig in a little bit more? Yeah, well, I have a free guide on my website, melodymiles.com on how to kickstart your soulcation. So it's a blueprint with like very easy steps that you can take if this summer or in quarantine, you maybe can't go on your usual vacation, but you want to still connect with yourself. So I always point people there. And then I'm on Instagram at the Melody Miles. And I am also offering a mastermind that walks people through the contents of the book. So happy to engage with people who want to go deeper, but believe if I could leave people with anything, it would be whatever permission slip you need to give yourself today. Like I hereby am empowering you to give yourself that permission slip. Boom. Beautiful. Great way to take us home. And Melody, thank you. It's always fun to jam with you, soul sister. I love the work that you're doing. And I'm so excited that so many more people get to be exposed to Soulcation and all the yumminess of the work you're doing. Oh, so fun. Well, same here. We are on this journey together. You're your biggest cheerleader. And 
so excited to be a very regular listener to this podcast. Ah, thank you, sister. And thanks for everybody tuning in. I hope you love this conversation as much as I did and picked up some good tidbits. And we will be back next week. Ciao. Hey, Rebel. Thanks for listening. If you were inspired by what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review so our fellow Rebel souls can find us. We have big work to do together. And if you want to dive deeper, head on over to my website at soulbatical.com and follow me at soulbatical on Instagram. Until next time, stay bold, brave, and badass, and never stop asking, what am I rebelling for?